Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. You know, it's always good to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, isn't it? It's a good discipline for us to say, Lord, let me start off the day, let me start off the service, let me start off each chapter of my life with thanksgiving. And, you know, there's a lot for us to be thankful for. In this crazy world we live in, so often we can get focused on the things that are not so good. But there's so much for us to be thankful for. And one thing that we can always be thankful for is our salvation, right? You know, and we, we sometimes kind of just pass over that. But our salvation, can you imagine what it was like before you were found? You were lost, but now you're found. You were on a road towards hell and damnation, and we're on the road to heaven. Hallelujah. And we have not just on the road and we're going to get there and we got fire insurance and we're not going to go to hell. Praise the Lord. That's great. But we also have a job to do while we're here in this earth. We have a job to reach out to those who have not made that decision yet, who have not started their life with Christ. And if anybody here this morning, instead of at the end of the service, I just want to start right off. If anybody's here this morning and you haven't established your walk with God, or anybody joining us online from anywhere in the country, today is a great day. The scripture says today is a day of salvation. And let's just be those that are, as we walk through life, that we're continuing to say, God, how can I be a part of bringing salvation, expanding your message of good news to this world? Let me pray as we get going. Father, I am thankful that you saved me. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you, God, that you sent your son, Jesus, that while we were opposed to you, while we were rebels, didn't matter. You came and you gave your life of, in, of love for us. And we are thankful this morning that you've saved our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What is too big for God to do? Let me make it more personal. What is too big for your God to do? Maybe another question would be is, how big is your God? How often do you try to put God neatly into a box? You ever done that? Actually, we, we do that quite a bit. We figure out God, we make a theology, I do this, and you try to figure out God, and I put him in this nice, little, easy-to-handle box. I want to tell you something. When you put God in a box, he is the master box blower-upper. He is good at taking your boxes. This is how big God is. And then God says, oh, no, I don't, I don't fit in there. And he will blow up your box. Let's open our Bibles this morning, your tablets, your cell phones, however you read the Word of God. Let's open it to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. We are in 2021, moving in the Word of God that says we are, this is a year of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. My hope and prayer is that as we go through the book of Acts, not just that we know more about what it is to be empowered but that we would take that home and we would live a life more empowered 
by the Holy Spirit and that he would flow through us in ways that maybe we haven't seen before. Acts chapter 9. little background. The early church was growing rapidly. From a few disciples to over 5,000 believers, and every day people were coming into the church. And although Jesus was gone, had ascended into heaven, signs and wonders were still happening. Miracles were happening through those who followed Jesus. There was a community being formed that was giving away their possessions and their lands and their money and caring for the poor, and something was happening. And the Jewish leaders were threatened. They were panicked. They they thought that when Christ died, it would all be shut down, but it was multiplying. And they lashed out. The Apostle Stephen, man, says, full of the Spirit, full of faith. The Apostle Stephen was stoned to death by the Jewish leaders. He was the first of many martyrs. So we get to Saul. Saul, a zealous Pharisee, young man, was ravaging the church. And he approved of Stephen's stoning. He was right there. Although it doesn't say he actually threw any stones, it didn't matter. He was approving. He was for the death of this innocent man named Stephen. And then he began to hunt down believers. I just can't imagine how terrifying that would be if we had someone authorized by our government to physically pull us out of our homes, bind us, toss us into prison, torture, death. Paul was doing that at this point, Saul. Tossing them into prison. You know, if the Christians had a list of public enemies, Paul would be number one, right? They said, watch out. They say, watch out for this man. Here is public enemy number one. If you see him, hide, run, flee. This is the worst of the worst for the new Christians. And so we get to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and asked for letters of the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way of those followers of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As Saul went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly, say that suddenly with me, suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city. You will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Saul stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand, brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. 
there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the end, the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Come in and lay hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is chosen instrument, he's chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days Saul was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, isn't this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon his name? And has he not come down here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching at the gates day and night to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him before the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how in Damascus he preached boldly the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed among the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus. So the church in all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Amazing story. Just imagine with me. Saul, the Pharisee, the terrorist, the assassin, is headed from Jerusalem to Damascus. He's armed with authority to hunt down and kill every Christian he could find. I would imagine church might look a little different this morning if there was someone here in Eden Prairie with that authority to come in and kill any of us. People might choose to not be present. I don't know what we do. It's terrifying. And the church in Damascus was well aware of Saul and his plans. They knew about him. They knew he was coming. 
just want to ask you a question. What do you think the church was doing as Paul was headed towards Damascus? How do you think the church responded? I imagine there were some that were looking and saying, where will we hide? Is there a place under the ground, at the table, in some barn? Where are we going to hide when this man comes to our town? Others may have had maybe the zealots. Who knows? Maybe they were sharpening their sword. If he comes here, we'll be ready. We won't go down without a fight. Some believers would have fled to other cities. It said when persecution came, they fled. I can imagine some saying, Paul's coming here to Damascus. We're out of here. We'll come back when things are safe. I imagine all would have been praying. The church was a church of prayer. And I'm sure they were praying. They were praying for safety. God protect us. I imagine prayer meetings would be more fervent, more energetic if you knew that you might die tomorrow, right? They were praying, God protect us. Protect my family, Lord. Blind the eyes. And I imagine there were those who were saying, Lord, strike him down. Lord, take him out. I think I'd have prayed that. This guy coming to kill us, I'd say, Lord, you're the God. You have the armies of the hosts of heaven. Take him out, Lord. I have to wonder how many were praying for Saul's conversion. doesn't say they prayed for that. I just want to wonder how many Christians were saying that. And I just try to imagine this, a young girl in the prayer meeting, a new believer, this is my imagination, 15 years old, beautiful Israeli, and she begins to pray, and this is what she prays. Dear Father, I pray that Saul, our enemy, that guy, you know, who's killing all the Christians, I pray that he would encounter a living God that you reveal yourself to him, Jesus, and that Saul would put his trust in you and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I can just see the guys in the back row. Guys going, yeah, right. Jesus is going to save Saul? Yeah, um, it'll be a cold day. Um, it'll be a cold day in Jerusalem. When Saul comes to faith in Christ, kind of smiling at this naive young girl praying that prayer, and they would have been wrong. Their God would have been too small. The man farthest from the gospel, the man not just not believing in Christ, but violently opposed to everything of Jesus, God was able to reach and save his soul. And he became one of the greatest leaders, apologists, apostles our world has ever known. Isaiah 59.1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. One more time. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Jesus was able to save the soul of Saul. 
and transform his life. And it's interesting how that scripture I read said he got saved and just almost right away, like that next week he was preaching, Jesus is the Son of God. This man was convinced due to his experience. You know, last week I was talking to a lady. She told me this story. And she said that her brother had grown up in a Christian home. Their home had been Christian, going to church. And somewhere as a young adult, this man had turned away from God. He'd walked away from his faith, as many have, and he went full out into a life of sin. You know the list of sins. I don't need to list them. He went full out into everything opposed to the things of God. And she just committed to pray for him. She said every day for 17 years she'd pray for her brother who was just deep in the world of sin. Every day, Lord, save my brother. Lord, reach my brother. Lord, reveal yourself to my brother. And that was just part of her prayer routine every day, 17 years. She'd fast, she'd pray. There was no signs that God was doing anything in his life. But she continued to pray for him every day. And one day, one night after he'd been partying all night and he was high on drugs, he decided to go to a young adult retreat. Suddenly, who knows how he heard about it, he went to the retreat and encountered Jesus. And God transformed his soul. He gave his life to Christ, turned his life around, and he's a solid leading man of God today. 17 years of praying for this man. I just want to say to this morning that God is able. God is able. There's two parts to the sermon this morning. But I'd like you to pull out the card. There's a card that you have. It's got some blanks you can fill in. Looks like this. That we serve a Jesus who's able to save. What I felt the Lord speaking to me this week out of this scripture to speak to you is, I want to pray for those that are far from the gospel today, that you know and love. Who do you know, love, that you would say, yeah, I don't think that person's going to turn the corner. I mean, that person's an atheist. That person speaks against the things of God. That person has no interest in spiritual matters. Let's put their name down on this list today. This is for you. It's going to go in your Bible. You can put initials if you want to keep it confidential. I want to take a moment, and I want to ask the Lord that faith would rise up in our souls, that we could have that faith of that young girl that I mentioned a hypothetical girl, but that we would say, Jesus, save the soul of this person. That we'd pray for them this morning, because I, I got to imagine that somebody was praying for Paul. Somebody was saying, Jesus, encounter him. May he encounter the living God. And it may seem like there's no way, but God is able. His arm is not too short to save. I want to pray. Father, I pray right now you would even reveal to me, to us, names of people that we have written off. 
that we've said they've made their choice, they're not following Jesus, they never will. Father, we repent of that lack of faith. And Father, may faith arise in our heart to pray for those who are not currently walking with you that seem like they have no interest or never will. And we ask you, God, to give us faith. And then we ask, Lord, that we would see your salvation come to these people. Just jot down on the paper at least one name. Could be a neighbor, a parent, brother, sister, child, cousin. Lord knows. So just take that card in your hand. Prayerfully, at least one name written on that card. And Jesus, we declare that your word is true, that your arm is not short to save. And suddenly you encountered Paul, who was Saul at that point. And Father, we ask that suddenly, we don't know when that suddenly is, but suddenly, God, that you would speak to people who may not have any interest in you at this moment, but God, you know how to reach their heart. You know the word or the experience they need, God. And we say, we ask God that you would save their souls. We trust in you. We ask you for your miraculous intervention. In Jesus' name, amen. Put that in your Bible. Let's join my friend who prayed for her brother for 17 years. Let's pray for these people and watch what God will do. But I want to circle back to the Apostle Paul. I want to circle back because Paul was a highly trained Pharisee. Okay? He was super smart. He was educated. He was trained. He was this man was the up-and-coming new leader. And probably he was smarter than anybody around him. And he had determined by his studies that Jesus was a false prophet. He determined that Jesus could not be the Messiah, that this man was a rebel, he was a Sabbath breaker, he was a danger. And suddenly Saul encountered the living Christ. He had an experience with Christ. He knocked him off the horse. This light showed up out of nowhere, out of the heavens, and he heard a voice, the voice of Christ speaking to him. He had an encounter with Christ that first of all blinded his eyes, but then with the obedience of Ananias, his eyes were opened. He was healed. And immediately began to proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So Paul, get this, anti-Jesus, dangerous man, intellectually opposed to God, has an encounter with Jesus, and transformation takes place in his life. As I was studying that, I just realized that we tend to try to get people saved or bring them to the Lord through argument, right? We discuss things. We talk it over. We want to intellectually talk people into following Christ. 
Sometimes it gets worse than that. Sometimes we want to argue or debate people into Christianity. And i got to say, I don't know many people that have been debated, lost the debate and said, okay, okay, I'll open my heart to Christ. You win. I don't know. Maybe that happens sometimes. But that's not very common. That does not seem to be a great strategy for the good news to go out. Just debating people, arguing for the kingdom. It didn't work for Paul. Paul didn't go into a debate and all of a sudden decide, I'm wrong, I'll follow Jesus. He had an encounter with the living God. And I really believe that in our generation, more and more, we need an encounter with Jesus. Church isn't going to do it. Debates and texts and blogs alone aren't going to do it. We need an encounter with Christ. So a while ago, a couple months ago, I became aware of a ministry of Pastor Todd Smith. He is a man who is a pastor in Atlanta. And the best I understand his story, I was introduced to him through Chuck Horta, one of the earlier pastors of this church. And Chuck came to me and began to tell me about Todd, and I ended up on a Zoom call with Pastor Todd Smith. And as I've looked into his ministry, he has been leading a, about a three-year revival in North Atlanta, Georgia. The story that he shared with the pastors on the Zoom call is that he was struggling in the ministry, frustrated, and he decided to go on a 21-day fast to seek the Lord. He said his heart was that he would encounter Jesus, Jesus would speak to him, something would happen during these 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, he said basically nothing happened. That's a long time to fast. And he said he was walking across the front of his church, now a little bit angry with God, or at least frustrated, and he, he said he put up his arms and said, I quit. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Little church north of Atlanta. This is best I understand the story. And he said he looked over at the baptism, baptism tank that they had in the front of the church, and the Lord revealed a vision to him, gave him a vision. He said it was an eight-second vision of fire on the waters of the baptistry. It was an encounter with the living God. And it deeply impacted his life. He went back to the church and just said, I've met with the Lord. And I believe that we want to open up our baptistries, even to people who have been baptized for salvation, that we would have an encounter with Christ through the waters, through repentance, salvation, whatever God puts on your heart, 
moving towards Jesus, and they began to baptize people in the church. And to date, I think 19,000 people have been baptized in this revival. A lot of people for a little church. And I, and so Chuck came to me and said, Todd is willing to come up to Minneapolis and hold three days of revival would City Hill be open to this ministry? Now, you might think I would just jump at it. You'd say, yes! But I didn't. Not right away. Because my heart and passion is that we would have everything the Holy Spirit wants for us. Amen? I want it all. I don't want to throw out the bad because some things at times have been abused. I think it's Pastor Jim McCracken who says, the answer to abuse is not no use, but proper use. And so I've been around revivals and some of these things, healing crusades all my life, and I've seen wonderful, incredible things, and I've seen other. And I want the real deal for this church. And as pastor, I hold the responsibility for who we bring into this church. So we met on a Zoom call, number of pastors and Todd Smith, and I think I was looking for somebody who was slick, um, super, you know, energetic, charismatic, that's gonna, and I thought, and sometimes those guys can scare me a little bit. Just being really honest here, I'm just open, telling you what the process has been here. And we met Todd Smith, and I came away going, I like this guy. What I found was a humble servant of Jesus Christ. He just loves Jesus and wants people to encounter the living God. He's, they asked him, what are some of the keys to revival? And he said, well, the first key is brokenness. Second key is humility. Third key is prayer. And I, I thought, well, you can't get a lot more biblical than that, can you? <laughs> and he said, we just want to see people come and encounter the living God. And he said, somehow God has chosen to meet us in the waters. And one of the pastors said, well, I, I'm not sure what I feel about a second baptism. You know, going, you've already been baptized. I'm not sure theologically. He said, then don't do it. Just obey Jesus. I thought, That's another really good answer. And so we have prayed. We brought it to the elders. We've done some research on this. And we've said, praise God, let's do it. So we're doing it. October 4th, 5th, and 6th, Todd is coming in with, some people from his church, and we are praying and believing for an encounter with God. How many of you, talking to a group that's mostly saved, need a fresh encounter with Jesus? <laughs> and I think, you know, anything that's bringing Jesus repentance of sin, wholeness, freshness in our lives, I go, I am 
for that. That's what I want for this church. We'll preach more, talk about some of the things. When I would just challenge your heart between now as we're getting ready for this, I don't want this just to be another program that we do. Programs are good. But Paul's life was changed, not by an argument or a teaching. His life was changed through an encounter with Jesus. And if God is using a method that may not be as orthodox as we would normally, I mean, baptism has been done through the centuries, not just for salvation, other reasons. And we'll talk about that theologically at a different date to put our hearts and minds at rest. But we need the Lord. We need Jesus in our lives in a fresh way. And those who aren't saved desperately need Jesus. And those who are saved, praise the Lord, we need a fresh touch from him. We need cleansing. We need anointing. We need the Lord. And so we're praying. Sunday nights, I think it's 7 o'clock at night, there's a prayer time here. Preparing for that, come join us. 6.30 it is. 6.30 Sunday nights. And then these three nights, which are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, most events would start on Sunday and, and Todd says, oh, I need to be with my church. I need to be, he's got a church. He's pastoring a church. It's important to him. I like that too. I just appreciate how God uses normal people. I mean, honestly, when I meet him, I might say different, but I met him, I thought, he reminds me of an Iowa farmer. <laughs> Just good guy that loves Jesus. And someone went to a conference and they said, I don't, which one was Todd? I couldn't, I never really, they, they were trying to figure it out because he's, it's not about Todd. But God in his gracious, powerful wisdom way has been showing up. Another thing that's happened that Todd said is, he said, we are coming, our goal is to meet with Jesus, to be cleansed, and to have an encounter with Christ. He said, but the, one of the things that's been happening is God's been healing people. People who have been sick, in many different ways, as they've come and encountered Jesus, the healer, they've encountered healing. He said, this isn't a healing crusade. We're not, we're not, we weren't, our goal was not healing, but it's Jesus' goal. And people have been healed. There's a video I'll show you one of these weeks going up to it. But I just love the fact of just showing people who are being touched by the living Christ. And what I would say also to the, this church is, I mean, as pastor, my heart is that we would encounter Jesus, love Jesus more, see people come to know Jesus. And I would just really ask you to try, if all possible, to put these days, these evenings aside and be with us. What would be sad to me is if on the Sunday after these meetings, you hear what God has been doing here at church, and you went, oh, man, I should have gone. Oh, I'm sorry I was doing, I was watching TV or something. I don't know. Don't do that. Don't do that. One of the interesting things in the meetings is they have time for people. 
and the baptisms start in the evening and they go till they're done. So what's that mean? It means they go till they're done. They take the time they need with each individual. They said, we're often finishing at midnight. Sometimes, they said recently I had a meeting that ended at 5 a.m. I'm like, whoo! So what that means is come at 7 and leave when you want to leave. I don't think everybody was probably there at 5 a.m., but the goal was come and meet with the Lord. And I just see how Paul's life was transformed and our world transformed because he had an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we want. And I'm encouraging us as a church to prepare for these times together. It's an open city meeting, and I have no idea what that really means for us. I don't know if you're going to be able to get in. I don't know if you're going to show up on a Monday night and find there's 500 people here and you should have got here earlier. Um, we'll have overflow areas, but it's open to the city. So bring your friends, bring people from other churches. We want to meet with the Lord. And that's what we're doing. And I love the fact that we're totally together with this as an elder board. We've said, yeah, this may not be something we've experienced just like this before. And praise the Lord, bring it on. And that's what we're doing. And I want to let you know so that you don't miss out. Amen. Let's be, and let's not wait until October to meet with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's be preparing to it. So that's just a add-on to this time as we, as Christians, in our prayer time, in our driving time, whatever it is, let's be those who have a faith that's not just a what church I go to, but it's that we walk day by day, hearing, obeying the risen Christ, will transform our lives as we meet with him. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you, Lord, you are always more than ready to meet with us as we come to meet with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence and your salvation in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, Right now, there is a luncheon for the, those who have kids in the program that we're launching called God Speaks. And we want to have you, as much as your children, will also have this process. Right over here, Carrie, stand, there she is with her sign, our Sunday school teacher. For those who are going to be in that luncheon, follow our guide over there. Raise that sign high. There she goes. Make you lot tall. You're dismissed. Those are people, parents are dismissed right now to go there to get the training the parents need as we want to train our children to hear from God. If you're our guest this morning, I'll be out at the table, the booth right there on the left going out the door. And if you'd like ministry, since they're in that room, over in the foyer lounge, our prayer team will be over there. If you want someone to pray with you, seek the Lord with you, right over there through those doors. God bless you guys. Have a great day.